49ers cutback podcast time welcome to the show everyone upon further review getting deeper into the film deeper into the numbers and what happened in the 49ers big win against the New York Giants on Thursday night football it was a it was a great performance for the 49ers for a couple of reasons first off maybe they didn't get off to the strongest start uh, that they've gotten off to in the previous two games the offense wasn't able to get in the end zone on their first drive they were forced with a field goal. They were showed some things they're not used to being shown. Uh, some coverages were getting a little mixed up. They're bringing six guys on the line of scrimmage, bringing pressure to Brock Purdy at an alarming rate at almost 85% of snaps. Absolutely ridiculous pressure rate that they were trying to pull off. So the Giants came consistently after Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy answered. And I think that's one of the most important takeaways from this game was though even though Brock Purdy maybe started a little slow had some inconsistencies some incompletions uh, some passes he tried to force as the game progressed Brock Purdy got more comfortable Brock Purdy created and he had little subtleties in his game and in his pocket awareness his pocket movement that really helped him down the field helped him make all the throws and he made some absolutely spectacular throws in this game there are some plays that will probably not even be remembered there's a play where he slowly drifts to the left and throws one as he's falling away over the top of a defender who's got his arm jumped up outstretched over the top and into George Kittle's arms along the sideline it is a great throw like an elite caliber throw then you have the one that he makes a Christian McCaffrey that's not caught at the, the front pylon on the left side of the field and McCaffrey goes up to get it and the defender makes it does a good job knocking the ball away uh Micah McFadden he did a great job on the play but the throw was perfect exactly where you want it to be McCaffrey didn't have to do a whole lot to adjust but it's right where you needed to be to try to protect the ball from the defender then he goes ahead and he stacks the Debo Samuel throw uh on top of Adore Jackson and it's similar to what you saw from the Brandon Ayuk throw. Same sideline, same pylon. This time, though, Adore Jackson was playing inside. Debo talked about the fact that Giants were trying to take so much from him, not allowing him to get to the middle of the field. That was one of the things we talked about this week was Kittle and Debo in the middle. So the Giants looked to take it away, and this was their method. And Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, and others showed how they can defeat you if you do that. So... Brock Purdy using the entire field is spectacular. But that throw, uh, Debo creates separation. He stacked the route really good on a double move. Ran up, uh, slowed up the amount of speed he was having. But he also changed his direction, headed towards Adderay Jackson, stacked him, and then created separation. And knew he had plenty of room to the sideline where normally when you're in man coverage like that, zero coverage, you want to use the sideline as a second defender with the way the Giants were playing with the inside leverage from Adderay Jackson he wasn't able to do it and you got that nice throw and Brock put it in the perfect place he gave Debo enough room so not only could he make the catch but he could get his feet down 
and it was an absolute dime for 30-plus yards in the air, well over that as he's thrown from the left hash all the way to that front pylon. So really spectacular throws, and those things all show up on film. So Brock Purdy, though a little bit of an interesting start, really came into his own and executed at a high level. At his stat line, 25 completions uh, out of 37 attempts. So the early start is really what skewed some of these numbers after that. He is just elite, and he's elite from 10-plus yards. The overall, it's over 80% completion percentage. He by far leads the NFL, and that's exactly what he did last year as well. So 25 of 37, nearly 68% completion percentage at 676 310 yards, which is Brock Purdy's all-time high, his career high for a regular season game. So you're seeing that he has the ability to win with his arm, and that's always been one of the question marks about quarterbacks to play for Kyle Shanahan, not from me, but from many, is how can that quarterback go out there and execute and help win the game? And I think Brock showed it here. And then two touchdowns, zero interceptions, a 120.3 QBR. So what you're seeing is Brock Purdy consistently hitting close to 66 to 67% completion percentage through three weeks, uh, completing passes. This was his highest number of yards, but the two touchdowns. So last week, he doesn't get two touchdowns. He gets one that was close to a lateral Debo taken away. Uh, so he still is producing on offense, and I thought he handled business. There was also several occasions in this game where not only did he can plays and switch either from run to pass or pass to run, usually pretty effective, he also checked and checked plays to other things. So that means audibling at the line of scrimmage. Complete confidence from Kyle Shanahan in Brock Purdy. Not only him understanding what he's looking at defensively, but then also trusting him to execute in the biggest moments. This is the most confident I've seen Kyle Shanahan in a quarterback since he's been in San Francisco. Now, a couple of news since we're talking about Kyle Shanahan. There was a couple of things that happened today. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have signed extensions to stay in San Francisco. So this is their second contract extension. So Jed York and the York family must be very excited about what this front office is doing. So stability for the 49ers is coming. So we can quiet all the hot seat, a conversation that Trey Lance didn't work out. So it puts Kyle Shanahan in a tough situation. Absolutely not. The 49ers are very comfortable with the organization's direction and they make a move bringing Shanahan and Lynch back. Now, there are not any details as of the time of, that I'm recording this. There will probably be more details that come out later on. So that was some big news. Also, some injuries coming out of the game. There were question marks about Demetrius Flanagan fouls, question marks about Drake Greenlaw. Both of them suffered low ankle sprains. So you never want to get an ankle sprain, but if you're going to get one, you want it to be low. That makes it so you have a quicker recovery time. High ankle sprains linger. They could be six to eight weeks. It's a lot tougher to come back. So these were good information coming out from uh, Kyle Shanahan today about Greenlaw and Flanagan fouls. And so they're day-to-day -day heading into the week. Of course, they won't be practicing again until Monday, but lots of treatment. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, treatment, trying to get ready. And then we'll see where they're at next week. Uh, Debo Samuel as well had his ribs checked out. Everything was fine. No structural damage, no breaks. So he's just really sore. So he is day-to-day -day as well. Other than that, the 49ers come out unscathed in the injury department. So that is good news for the 49ers. They also, NFL issued a 
report saying the reason Trent Williams wasn't ejected was they didn't find the foul to be egregious, so they backed up the referees. That's good news, especially since it came out that the uh, Ashawn Robinson had punched Trent Williams in the throat. That is what instigated Trent Williams throwing a punch back. So really glad that Trent Williams did not get kicked out for that. That could have been a huge momentum shift with the 49ers having to go with Jalen Moore. Uh, but, you know, Trent, I understand now why he did it. It's a natural reaction to getting punched in the throat to throw something back, and it's instantaneous. So a little bit more forgiving for Trent Williams' actions. Still don't want to see it, uh, but from the very first snap in that game, you go back and you watch, Ashawn Robinson and others were getting after the 49ers' offensive line, trying to provoke them, and sometimes they got under their skin. And I think as the game went on, it definitely wore on the Giants because they could not get anything done on defense, even though they were bringing a ton of pressure. So yesterday before the game, the 49ers announced a couple of roster moves. They had released cornerback Anthony Brown and promoted and signed uh, Trey Swilling to the active roster. Well, today they completely undid that move. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers re-signed cornerback Anthony Brown to a one-year deal. And to make room on the roster, the way they waived Trey Swilling. Or Swilling has now had two catch uh, interference penalties on punts. Not exactly what you're looking for. So my guess is Anthony Brown wasn't really 100% ready within the game plan to produce or help for the 49ers in this game. Now they can sign him back and get a lot more time with him, see where he's at heading into Arizona. So that was a good signing. So we'll see what happens. It looks like the 49ers are going to be probably re-signing Swilling to the practice squad and he could be on the practice squad again. He just was. So roster movement from the 49ers, not surprising. You have to make sure you have five cornerbacks on the active roster. And with Sam Womack being on IR, you have to bring back Brown. Another, another interesting thing that happened this week, the 49ers worked out a bunch of corners, one of which Jason Verrett. First news on Verrett this offseason, it was unclear whether he was going to try to come back from that Achilles injury. Well, it appears the 49ers are monitoring and keeping track of where he is in his recovery process. We're getting really close to it being a year since the injury, but we'll see. Maybe at some point, Jason Verrett ends up helping the 49ers at some point, uh, but it does appear that Jason Verrett is attempting to have a comeback. But let's get back into this. Uh, now that we've got some of that news out of the way, it was important news in 49ers land, but in this game, one of the key matchups for the 49ers was third down conversions. The 49ers had struggled uh, against the Rams to convert on third down, dropping their season percentage to 36%, which is very different from what the 49ers did in 2022. The 49ers were pretty good with, with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, a well over you know, 41 42%. With Brock Purdy, it became 45%. They're one of the top six in the entire league at conversion rate on third down, which is so important. Number one, it keeps your offense on the field. It keeps drives going, keeps your players in a rhythm. It keeps Kyle Shannon in a rhythm, but also it keeps defenders, your defenders off the field and fresh. And if your defense is fresh, they're one of the best teams in the league. You could see last year, the 49ers didn't give up a lot of points after halftime. The reason was, the other team was wearing down, and the 49ers' defense was very fresh and getting after offensive linemen and getting after offenses. Because the way Chris Kassar goes about his defensive rotation, they stay fresh the whole game. 
The offensive line never changes. It's the same five guys, no rotation. So by the end of the game, they're not wearing the defense down. The defense is wearing them down. But it all starts with offensive efficiency on third down. And the 49ers killed it in this game. 57%. It was a key to winning this game. And they executed at a high level. Brock Purdy made big throws. Kyle Shanahan made big calls. Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Jawan Jennings made big plays on third down. And a lot of the times, if it wasn't for a penalty or a negative play, the 49ers stayed on schedule, which means they had third and short, third and manageable. And that's one of the best ways to be a high execution team in this league. So good up for the 49ers in this game. The offense played at such a high rate. And the Giants were allowing a 43% conversion rate. So the 49ers executed even higher than the Giants were giving up. And that's a Giants defense that struggled against Dallas and struggled for a half against Arizona and still was only 43%. And the 49ers excelled in that department. So that was really huge for the 49ers. On defense, my key matchup, 49ers defensive line versus the Giants offensive line. And watching the film back, the 49ers defensive line absolutely dominated. Daniel Jones had to get rid of the ball quick. He had to take sacks. He had to run. Uh, the 49ers were getting after him. The win rate is ridiculous. The 49ers were winning at a at such a high level. And I'm not a huge fan of looking at PFF numbers, but I just always like to take a glimpse of who the top performers were according to them. And the top three were defensive linemen. Javon Hargrave at 93%, Nick Bosa at 92.8, and Eric Armstead at 30, uh, 91. One of the interesting things about that, Hargrave, 34 snaps. Bosa, 39. Armstead, 36. That's back to what they were doing against Pittsburgh. That's the sort of defensive domination that they had. Bosa only had 34 snaps in week one. Last week, he had 60 against the Rams. Now back to that low number, which means they stay pretty fresh. You see the offensive dominance on third down allows the defense to stay off the field. Other guys stepping up, also huge. A couple notable names also on this list. Tarverius Ward at a 78.8 and Oren Burks at 90.1. And I thought Oren Burks played really good when he was in, including when he went in the fourth quarter for Drake Greenlaw. So Oren Burks looks very good as Sam Backer. A lot of teams not really wanting him on the field. They're going with nickel corner Isaiah Oliver. They'd rather have the nickel uh, package in for the 49ers. And Oren Burks, 21 snaps, yet a 90 grade. That's really good. So I, I like those numbers. Uh, I just I like that the defensive line was all over it. I know for a fact uh, Kinlaw had a really good game as well. So 49ers going with a, a big monstrous group that can get it done is, is what you like to see. And the 49ers had to take advantage of the Giants' offensive line. It was an offensive line that was missing their starting left tackle, their starting left guard, and Javon Hargrave absolutely demolished Shane Lemieux pretty consistently. Another thing that I, I said the 49ers really need to do is they need to win the turnover battle. And once again, the 49ers did not turn over the football. They are just taking care of the football at a high rate. And so the 49ers still are giving opportunities to other teams. They put another snap on the ground, which I didn't like. Jake Brendel and Brock Purdy have had two, two instances now in back-to-back -back games coming out of halftime where they've had a snap uh, go onto the ground. So they've got to figure that out whether it was Brendel snapping early or just the technique as well. I thought the snap looked pretty good hitting Brock Purdy's top hand. 
But if it came early, that would make a lot of sense as to why Brock Purdy wasn't expecting it uh, to happen on that situation. So let's talk turnovers. 49ers, a differential heading into the game was plus three, which means they had created four turnovers and gave up just one. Well, they add to that another interception by Talano Lufonga. It's sparked by absolutely great tight coverage by Charvarius Ward all over it. Ball bounces to Fred Warner. Fred knocks it in the air, and then it's caught by Talano Lufonga. So Lufonga with two interceptions. 49ers secondary is creating all the turnovers right now. They have four, uh, five interceptions on the season. Absolutely spectacular. And so the differential jumps to plus four while the Giants go to negative five. So you can see there's a reason one team is one and two and the other is three and oh. Uh, third down efficiency on offense and defense and also the turnover margin, which is heavily in the 49ers' favor. That's what winning teams do. Just for reference, the 49ers last year, plus 13 on the whole season, already plus four. So you can see they're a third of the way there from getting to the potential of uh, eclipsing that number. The real elite teams get to you know 15 to 20. 49ers look like that is a possibility if Brock Purdy continues to take care of the football and the 49ers defense continues to cause turnovers the way they do. On defense, Nick Bosa gets a sack. Javon Hargrave gets his second sack of the season. Notable because Bosa, that was his first one. Bosa could add a, a couple of more if Daniel Jones wouldn't have just got rid of the football, checked it down, and then you know the, the 49ers linebackers rallied to make plays. It was absolutely spectacular for him. And with Hargrave, two sacks, he is now one sack short of equaling the entire total of the 49ers interior defensive line in 2022. So in 2022, the 49ers defensive line interiorly uh, produced three sacks. Of course, Armstead was hurt most of the year. You know, Ken Law was hurt most of the year. Well, now Hardgrave is going in there and making an impact. You could see why John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan paid him that money and why Jed York said, hey, you're going to go make a splash. Don't get a second tier. Don't get the second or third guy. Go get the best guy you can get. And the 49ers did that. Hardgrave paying huge dividends uh, for the 49ers. And you, you got to love to see that impact that they're making. Uh, you know, on, on defense with that defensive line. It's been a really good group, and I'm excited to see what they can do, you know, in the future. Now, some of the things that the 49ers had to do on defense, they had to win some matchups, uh, and it was 49ers pass rush versus Daniel Jones, and the 49ers pass rush all over the place, hurrying him, getting after Daniel Jones. They just really made him feel uncomfortable the entire game, and that's the, that's the whole point of what they're trying to do is get these guys to feel uncomfortable. Now, if you looked at Jones's numbers, he was 22 of 32. So he had a higher completion percentage than Brock Purdy, 68.8%. Uh, but here's where it gets interesting. 137 yards. 137 yards is all the 49ers defense gave up through the air. And he had an I, INT. Uh, so though the numbers, 22 of 32, looked good, everything was underneath. Nothing was big. And the 40 yards also rushing yards. You only had Breida get 17 yards. Daniel Jones on his scrambles got five. Gary Brightwell got five. There was just nothing on the ground. Besides the eight-yard run by Breida for a touchdown, they held that run game completely in check, which they did also against Pittsburgh in week one. And the, th the same thing, it was a lot of volume of catches were high. 
for the Giants. But listen to some of these averages. Now, Slayton had the the 117-yard catch down the sideline on Diameter Lenore. And Gary Brightwell had one that was a swing that he got 18. Besides those two, listen to these averages for catches. Paris Campbell had six catches, 24 yards for a four-yard average. Wandell Robinson, four catches for 21 yards, a 5.3-yard average. Darren Waller, three catches for 20 yards, 6.7. So look at the numbers and how they kept it down. And one of my matchups in this game was Dre Greenlaw versus, uh, I'm sorry, Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner versus Matt Breida. And not only did they hold him to nothing in the run game, but also receiving, they held him to uh, three receptions for one yard, including a .3 average. Uh, I mean, Breida just got nothing going. 17 yards rushing, uh, one yard catching the football. I would say that that's a big win for Greenlaw and Fred Warner, and that's why I had it on this list. Also, Isaiah Oliver, uh, watch the film. I know PFF gave him a mediocre grade, but the the way that Steve Wilkes was playing him, he had to play one-on-one with Darren Waller sometimes. And yeah, did Darren Waller get him? Yes, of course. Darren Waller is, is usually one of the top flight tight ends. He's been mentioned as one of the top five uh, before he was traded to the Giants. So Isaiah Oliver did exactly what Steve Wilkes said they brought him there for, to be the big nickel and to play tight ends. Uh, but now he's playing nickel almost all the time. So I thought he played good again, stuck his nose in there and stopped some run plays, being more physical, more tackles in front of the sticks. I like the trend where Isaiah Oliver's going. So uh, that was also good. He handled himself in the slot, which I was a huge fan of. And then um, the 49ers, of course, won the matchups along the front. And the 49ers held Daniel Jones uh, from getting anything going on the ground. Really, the Giants didn't try anything on the ground as far as uh, getting the read option going. And uh, the 49ers prepared for it. Nick Bosa talked about the fact that they had prepared for it. And the fact they never tried it, never used it, was interesting to me. But, hey, the 49ers love that. They love when you you take stuff out of your offense. That way they don't have to worry about it. Now they can really turn loose and get after you. Uh, so I thought that was really good and i'm ready to give away my defensive player of the game the block is hot defensive player of this game versus the giants there's lots of options for defensive player of the week uh the 49ers had a lot of guys step up bosa got his first sack fred warner continued to look great uh, Taono Fonga had a big interception. Charverius Ward had his best game in coverage of the entire season. Those guys are all options. But I'm going with Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave won every single time I watched him, it felt like. Whenever the Giants decided that they were going to throw a double team at Eric Armstead or the 49ers were going to run a five-man front and he was going to be matched up one-on-one with the center, Javon Hargrave won. His wins were absolutely fantastic. He dominated Shane Lemieux. Snap in and snap out. Hargrave is a force. He's feeling more confident in this 49ers defense. And now, what are teams going to do? Are they going to start sending double teams his way, freeing up Armstead? Because Armstead is a very good pass rusher as well, and his technique has looked fantastic as well. So 49ers starting to set up their defensive line to be dominant. Farrell, Jackson still being uh, very co- um, very good contributors to this 49ers defensive pass rush and setting the edge against the run. 
The defensive line is trending in the right direction. Huge fans of what they're doing, and Hargrave is a big reason why. Because now, with the addition of Hargrave, not only is he better against the run than you know who they were playing last year, he's also more explosive as far as rushing the passer, and he frees up other players. There's going to be opportunities for Bosa. There's going to be opportunities for Armstead. But what there's really going to be opportunities for, Drake Jackson and Cleveland Farrell to get one-on-one situations. Cleveland Farrell probably would have got a sack this week against Daniel Jones without a egregious face mask call on the left tackle. I mean, it was bad. So uh, I think those are some things that we can watch and monitor. But I thought Bol- that he played so good, and it just flashes on film. When you put on the film, I do the, I'm do the. i going to be doing the film breakdowns for Patreon. You guys can hop over to Patreon. Lots of people joining up, uh, Patreon and checking out the film breakdowns right now. But uh, he's... If, Hargrave is going to flash. We're going to have so many plays talking about Hargrave, so many plays talking about Kinlaw. It's it's really a fun time to be a 49ers fan. And we always talk D-line, but there was a lot of question marks after that first group. Well, Kinlaw, Kevin Givens, Kerry Hyder, uh, and you know Drake Jackson and his role have answered a lot of those questions. So good news for the 49ers there. On offense, uh, there was matchups to exploit. Dewan Jennings blocking against the Giants' secondary. He executed again. They were able to get some runs going to McCaffrey, but also screen pass to Debo and McCaffrey using uh, Jawan Jennings, using Gregory McLeod, and using Chris Conley very effectively. Conley coming up from the practice squad in place of Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he wasn't used in Ayuk's role. That was Ronnie Bell, who had a great game. Ronnie Bell with his first touchdown. Bravo to him. Ronnie Bell with a tremendous catch off a deflected pass of Debo Samuel, right? The difference between the ball's flight on the, on the defensive side of the ball, it bounces in the air, then off Fred, then Hufanga makes the interception on offense. It bounces off Debo and Adderay Jackson, who drove on that football. Great Adderay, great play. Uh, tight window throw for Brock Purdy. Luckily, right place, right time. Ronnie Bell. Sometimes things just go your way. Uh, I said on the PSF broadcast as me and Mark Adams were breaking it down, sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good. And I thought it was a good game for Ronnie Bell and something he can build upon. The 49ers rookies contributing uh, to their success. Last year it was Spencer Burford. He was somebody that was making plays as a rookie, Jordan Mason as well. Now it's Ronnie Bell who's making big plays and Jake Moody who hasn't missed a single field goal or extra point and his kickoffs were impeccable. He was kicking them deep. It's the first time I've seen a special teams use a fair catch. So that's something to remember as well. George Kittle and Juice versus edge defenders, they did it. Right off the bat, they were able to create extra room on sp- on the edge. The game plan was set. We knew what the bubble was. Take advantage of Jihad Ward. Take advantage of uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. They did that. They got the run game going. The Giants knew what was coming. They came out with a 6-1 defense. The 49ers Boom, blew up uh, Micah McFadden on the edge and ran right there with McCaffrey on the very first run. One block away from having a huge explosive play on play one for the 49ers. So they took advantage of that in a big way, and that all showed up on film, which I love. And the Debo and Kittle uh, over the middle of the field, and they had some success over the middle of the field. Debo rumbled, bumbled, and ran people over, uh, but they had success on the outside too. So the 49ers offense adjusted took what the defense gave them. So as the Giants went to a defensive team that took away the middle of the field, the 49ers said, okay, thank you. We will take those plays to the outside, and they did. 
and Brock Purdy was able to execute big throws. But Jawan Jennings still had a couple of big catches on third and Jawan. So uh, those guys did really good. And then Kyle Shanahan and his personnel groupings, formation changes, and motions uh, is, is bar none some of the best. The way he manipulates defenses to get certain personnel on the field so he can take advantage of it with his personnel, he knows his personnel better than anyone, and he uses them better than anyone. And he's got so many unique pieces that they're hard to match up with, and that's what teams are, are struggling with. Their defensive scheme might call for them to have a nickel corner that's kind of small. And when that happens, you bring in Jawan Jennings, and he's really good at blocking them, and so you have advantage run game. So then you go, you know what? We need to get that little nickel off the field. We'll put a safety in that situation. And then it's advantage Jawan Jennings, advantage George Kittle matched up against safeties. We saw Jennings, and we've seen George Kittle beat Xavier McKinney, uh, beat Justin Pinnock. Uh, both of those guys could not stop these guys. And also, just the ability to get yards after the catch, Debo, McCaffrey, Kittle, and Jawan Jennings, big games and yards after the catch. Kyle Shanahan schemes it up. He puts the right personnel at the right time. He manipulates defenses to get the matchups he wants. Right now, there's nobody doing it better than Kyle Shannon in this entire league. And I think that's why you saw an all-out blitz coming after Kyle Shannon and coming after Brock Purdy. But like a lot of people said on my live reaction show after the game, you live by the blitz, you die by the blitz. Every time you bring a blitz, you leave something else available. And that's exactly what the 49ers, Brock Purdy, and Kyle Shanahan took advantage of in this game. It shows up on film, and I really, really liked it a lot. And now I want to give away award for the best offensive player uh, during this game versus the Giants. My straight beast offensive player has to be Debo Samuel. I mean, Debo Samuel just really came out and executed at a high level, and I felt from the very first screen pass on the third and 15 that Debo was a big reason why the 49ers were going to be effective in this game. I think he came out with the thought, Brandon's not playing, Ayuk is not here, I need to execute at a high level. Six catches, 129 yards, that's a 21.5-yard average, a 40-yard long where he runs over people in the middle of the field, jukes people in the middle of the field. He had the touchdown on the deep pass over Adderay Jackson on the back shoulder throw by Brock Purdy. Debo Samuel executed at such a high level. And just think about this. He is the player of the game, even though Christian McCaffrey had over 100 yards, uh, both catching and rushing, right? So he has, uh, when you're talking about Christian McCaffrey, he had 18 carries for 85 yards, a 4.7-yard average, and he had a touchdown on the ground. But then receiving, he had another 34 yards. So all-purpose yards, well over 100 again for McCaffrey. McCaffrey scores a touchdown for 12 straight games, which is tied for a 49ers record. One more, and he'll pass Jerry Rice. Uh, it's it's one of those things you just I have to see it to believe it, the way the 49ers use their offense. McCaffrey also 5,000 yards for his career now, rushing the football he is leading the league on the ground. But Debo Samuel was so good in this game. I thought he set the tone, and he established you know, what his dominance was going to be. Once they had to somewhat adjust to him, it opened up things for Kittle. It opened up things for McCaffrey. And then pretty soon, they were able to go back to Debo. So uh, Debo, for sure, the offensive player of this game. And there could have been several. It could have been McCaffrey. It could have been George Kittle. 
could have been Brock Purdy with his numbers. Uh, he looked really good in this game as well. So I thought the 49ers did such a good job executing. I think it was a little, a little nerve wracking to start. They were a little out of sync. You expect that with Thursday night football. You expect that with a team that's going to come out and blitz you that much and you haven't had a full time to prepare. Figured it out. And by the end of the game, they scored another 30 points. They held the Giants to 12 points, which lowers the 49ers average to 14 points a game that they're giving up, which is less than last season. So defense playing well and averaging 30 is spectacular. Yes. Are there plays they still are leaving out there? Yes. Are they going to need to execute at a higher level as the season progresses? Yes. But we're talking first three weeks of the season. I think this is the best Kyle Shanahan's team has ever looked through three games since Kyle Shanahan got there in 2017. And that's saying a lot because in 2019, they started 3-0. But this team is more dominant. This team has more talent. And it's trending in the right direction with a quarterback that is executing at a high level. Uh, really excited for what the 49ers are doing. Excited uh, for this next game coming up against Arizona and the proposition and potential to go up four to 4-0 oh, headed into that Dallas Cowboys game. So thank you guys so much for watching. Like and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on audio platform, 49ers Cutback on Believe. Please give it a five-star rating. Numbers are going up really big on Believe. I really appreciate everyone that's listening, and that has been uh, you know, kind of spreading the word about 49ers Cutback on Believe, 49ers Cutback on YouTube, and now 49ers Cutback over on the PSF app where me and Mark Adams are doing weekly shows Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific time, our Red and Bold show. And then for eight of the games this year, we're live giving our live reactions and commentary to the game as it happens. And everyone that's been coming over there, I really appreciate you guys are the best. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers way. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.